coming up next on the Passion Struck Podcast. Nobody teaches us how to really describe ourselves to our bosses on our interviews and, you know, is this a fit or not a fit? Because we haven't been trained how to, how to describe our inner spark, kind of like our DNA. And so when people live from their essence, their inner spark, it feels so good because it's in alignment with how we were made and built. Welcome visionaries, creators, innovators, entrepreneurs, leaders, and growth seekers of all types to the Passion Struck Podcast. Hi, I'm John Miles, a peak performance coach, multi-industry CEO, Navy veteran, and entrepreneur on a mission to make passion go viral for millions worldwide. And each week I do so by sharing with you an inspirational message in interviewing high achievers from all walks of life to unlock their secrets and lessons to becoming passion struck. The purpose of our show is to serve you, the listener, by giving you tips, tasks, and activities you can use to achieve peak performance and pursue the passion-driven life you have always wanted to have. Now, let's become passion struck. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Passion Struck Podcast. Today's episode falls on Christmas Eve, and I wanted to take this time to especially thank the audience for helping us become one of the top 0.1% of all podcasts globally based on popularity. Thank you so much for helping us achieve that and helping get the message out about this podcast. And thank you to all of you who come back each and every week to listen and learn to live better, be better, and impact the world. And if you're new to the show or you would like to introduce it to a friend or family member, we now have starter packs. These are collections of your favorite episodes organized by topic, which gives you a great way to see behind the scenes everything that we do here on the show. Just go to passionstruck.com slash starter packs to get started. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out, we also have a YouTube channel at John R. Miles, which has well over 200 different videos, ranging from long form interviews like this to short two to three minute videos that we call Mindset Moments. Please go check it out and subscribe if you haven't done so. Today's episode is with Sharon Rolfe. And when Sharon retired from Boeing in 2016, she put her skills as a behavioral scientist to work as a retirement and essence coach. Sharon has created 53 retirement podcasts, started a boomers meetup group, and presented What Do I Want in Retirement workshops at senior centers across the U.S. She's focused now on empowering everyone to win satisfaction and triumph in retirement. In today's podcast, I talked to Sharon about her goals to help people live, grow, and give from a position of passion that produces stronger neighborhoods and communities. We talk about the retiring baby boomers globally and how she feels they can still potentially change the world. We discuss how when you live from the heart, life has meaning and is seemingly effortless. She discusses also how she went from feeling invisible to becoming the queen of courage and so much more. Thank you for choosing the Passion Struck Podcast and choosing me 
to be your host and guide on your journey to living an intentional life. Now, let the journey begin. Excited to welcome Sharon Rolfe onto the Passion Struck podcast. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you for having me, John. It's a pleasure being here. I, I hope to uh, impart some good wisdom for your listeners today. Well, I know it's taken us a little bit to get this one on the books. Um, it's been a very busy uh, past month for me because throughout the month of September, we are doing episodes twice a week in honor of veterans who served um, during the, the global war on terror. And so I had to kind of drop everything to get all those all those in and filmed. But um, um, I appreciate that that you're here, and it's uh, remarkable that it's been 20 years since that uh, fateful day. Yes, yes. Um, well, I thought it would be a good starting point um, before we go into what you were doing now to to maybe go back in time and talk about uh, some of the aspects of your career um, and how you were doing that career while you were raising uh, five children. Actually, I was the middle of five. I, I've never had kids. Oh. <laughs> Let me put that straight. <laughs> no, you were the middle of five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's the, um, so we, we're going to talk a little bit about feeling invisible today. And being in the middle of five is um, the invisible role. Uh, I had an older brother and sister that are, were all baby boomers in, um, they, there was uh, abuse in our home. And so being invisible was actually a safe thing. I, I got good grades. I, you know, didn't rock the boat and um, didn't want to be noticed for the wrong reasons. But I've all, I also at the same time had a high potential for, I mean, a high sensitivity of potential. So it was kind of one of those mysterious things about uh, how, how do you, you know, unfold your potential and the mystery of uh, why you're here, you know? So uh, my, uh, and the other thing that made me different, John, was that I love to learn. I was the only one in my family that went to college and um, I, I, I picked up this phrase. They said, well, yeah, you're outstanding, outstanding in a field. Yeah, that was me. I was outstanding. I grew up on a farm, milk cows and all that stuff. So um, yeah, where did I, you grow and where did you grow up at? That was in Eastern Washington. Uh, when we moved to the farm and when I was eight and a half, I guess, and we um, it, chopped out the sagebrush and, and planted alfalfa and irrigated and um, grew our own little orchard, family orchard. But then we, before we sold the farm, we had peaches and apple orchards too. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of work on the farms, right? Yes, there is. That Keeps is for you out sure. Of Keeps you out of trouble. Yeah. So um, I went to college right out of high school, um, worked a year in the, and then paid for my own education. And um, so I took baby steps towards getting a degree and uh, was usually on weekends and uh, evening classes. And when I was... Um, uh, I had taken an elective course and I was at the campus picking up grades or something. And somebody, one of my instructors passed me and said, well, Sharon, if you love that class that he had led, he said, well, you should, 
consider this master's program in behavioral science. And I did right away joined and signed up for that. And that's what makes me very unique is that there's not that many behavioral scientists out there, but I didn't want to work with addicts that most people work with uh, user education for. I wanted to work with people who were already um, strong and successful and, and knowledgeable and, and just bring out that golden nugget inside of them, help them believe in themselves more. So um, I didn't do that really other than with my friends. I remember one uh, fellow in our singles group that um, he was debating about his, oh, I helped him with his resume. And I told him the little analogy about uh, a steering wheel has no value in a car unless it's in motion. And that really stuck with him about being, you know, making some baby steps forward to, to um, be in action for the good things that happen in your life. Well, I think those baby steps over time, I call it action stacking, lead to ah. one after another. And then at, before you know it, uh, you have gained so much momentum and you keep stacking them. And I think a lot of people think they've got to plunge in and have these huge results every day. And, and I found that's just not how it works for most people. You know, you've got to pick one task that keeps the momentum going and just build upon them um, is what I found is to be one of the most successful things you can do, you know, to execute on your passion journey. Um, yeah. In, in this process of doing uh, retirement coaching, I, um, I keep planting seeds. I may not see the results today, but I'm planting seed with the belief that in the future, it all pays off in those action steps. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I did want to ask you about your time at Boeing. I know you weren't there, you know, when the, when they had the um, 737 MAX issue. Um, but as someone who had worked there um, for seven or eight years, uh, I'm sure when that news broke, uh, because the Boeing employees I know were very proud of, of that company. Um, how did that impact you? Well, I didn't follow it much, but I know when I walked in the door, the, the stock was only about $35 a share. And that was pretty low. It was, in fact, they had just had a incentive to come to work and you got like $3,000 if you, stayed for three months. And the instructors say, I, I missed that just by just a, a little bit. Um, but the instructors say most of those people that came in for the incentive walked out the door as soon as they got it. And that just grieves me because that means that they were after greed and not, not really a career. But I walked in the door with a master's degree and worked on the production floor. And I often had people stop me and say, Sharon, what are you doing? And you know, we were building the triple seven in Everett. And um, I, but the time I was there four and a half years on the production floor, the stock rose and there was a lot of, um, uh, I, I guess the thing about the triple seven was is there's so much emphasis on perfection because there's people's lives at stake when you aren't doing your job to the utmost perfection. And um, the, the feeling that somebody had let 
you know, one of your teammates might have let you down and created um, an avenue for less than our best kind of feels a little bit like betrayal. And um, I haven't been in touch with people that are still there, but I know I was the next job I went into was taking problem solving down to the lowest level. And I was using my behavioral science and um, there's, there was, it was an uphill battle because so many of the people and especially the union people, they, they wanted to blame somebody, not solve something, you know, they were pretty good at what they did, but but to, um, you know, to blame the management instead of taking ownership was, um, they were facility people. They were not building the plane. They were taking, keeping the grounds um, moving and productive and in improving the grounds. But um, the, the old farts, as I call them at Boeing, they would rather, they would rather um, blame management. But the young people coming in, I definitely saw a difference in their attitude that college was training them to be a team player and um, to be collaborative. And I love collaboration. So the um, I was glad to see the young people coming in because it was kind of rubbing those old parts a little the wrong way. And yet, you know, we all can ha- learn something. And that's one of the primary things I want to encourage people in retirement is the keep learning and growing because you keep living longer when you do. I think there's so much to that um, and stay active, stay physically fit, all those things. We will be right back to the Passion Struck podcast. Did you know that the majority of people who have a mental illness do not seek or receive treatment? I know I put it off for years. Why? Because I thought I would be judged and seen as weak. I doubted it would work had too much pride and thought I could solve my problems all by myself and feared confronting the issue and having to change. I know firsthand that facing those problems isn't easy and you don't win a prize for doing it all alone. Getting professional help isn't weird or weak. It's smart. It is as important as hiring a personal trainer to help you with your physical health. But finding the time to fit in therapy can seem impossible for those of us who can't even find a minute for ourselves. That is why I recommend Talkspace, which makes meeting with a licensed therapist a convenient, secure, and stigma-free experience right from your phone, tablet, or computer in the comfort of your house. And unlike traditional therapy, you can message your therapist 24 by 7 via text, video, or voice. No need to wait for a weekly appointment. Join Talkspace today and start moving forward with a single message. Just visit Talkspace.com. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com, promo code PASSIONSTRUCK. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Your support of our advertisers keeps the lights on around here. And I realize that all those codes and URLs can be tough to remember. So we put them in the show notes for the episode. Please consider those who support the show and make it possible. Now, back to PASSIONSTRUCK. I did an episode way back at, at the beginning when I first launched the podcast with a friend of mine, Giles Stewart, who he and I worked together both at Lowe's and Dell. Um, and then I saw that one. Giles ended up uh, retiring. And he said for the next 12, 18 months, he found himself, you know, getting in the habit of being lazy. He had put on tons of weight. 
He felt like he had lost his purpose. Um, and someone, you, you know, talked to him about rowing and said, you should give it a try. And for him, rowing changed his life, so to speak, because not only did it introduce him to a physical activity, he started to, to really approach it as, you know, how do I become a better rower? And so it started impacting, you know, how we approached each day, uh, the sleep cycle he would get, um, the foods he was eating. And now it's unleashed a whole nother side of him that's now getting into creative writing about his experiences, et cetera. So I wanted to ask, as you were, were leaving Boeing and then starting this, this next journey that, you're, that we'll talk about, did you have any of those same feelings of, of you know, what do I do next? You, you know, did, did you feel lost at all? And what would be your recommendation to those who are preparing um, to retire um, in, in the next coming years and how they could take the steps to prepare themselves better for it? Well, a couple of things. I had run a singles convention uh, along with my church uh, leadership back in the mid 80s. And one of the things the director um, taught me as I was moving up the ladder of responsibility there was um, always have the next thing to go to that. I think he had learned early on because we'd already been doing it uh, five, six years, I guess. And that once the convention is over, because it was wildly successful that first year it was 1,200 people came and we'd never done this before. Um, that there's a there's a lull after you've had this big building up to something and then nothing. Um, you kind of go through a little bit of a depression, like now what or what's next? And and he taught me to have that next thing already lined up. So I did that with retirement. And uh, my word to my advice, I, I make these little art blocks. So do what you do for charity is a, a great, simple way to think about what are you doing today that could be done for charity. If you're flying airplanes, who needs something delivered or who needs some people delivered? If you're a bean counter, who needs some accounting help, you know? I, I'd like to see billboards that actually say, boomers, what are you doing to come alongside the, your favorite charity or, or charities that say, boomers, we need you to help us. Well, so I, um, what I did, it, it happened to be great timing. I was doing this employee involvement facilitator and uh, this email come across that sounded like it was a partnership with the college um, to do uh, enroll people in coaching class. And I thought, you know, a facilitator and a coach just seems like the, the next step. So I started um, looking at how could I get that training. And at the same time, um, they were eliminating my job because that's what a good facilitator does is you work yourself out of the job. So the teams are um, having that new behavior themselves. And um I was unsuccessful in getting Boeing to pay for my education because, yeah, they wouldn't benefit from it since I was headed out the door. Uh, I decided to retire about 18 months early since uh, instead of going through a new job search with Boeing. 
So, um, yeah, I started coaching class a week before um, I retired. So that building uh, a new plan as you go out the door or even the next uh, two or three years before you retire, like, could you expand on your a hobby, you know, or could you turn something into um, a business that you've always wanted to do? Okay. That and then, yeah. And then how, and then how did you find this new calling that, that you have now? Oh yeah, that was pretty interesting too. Okay, so um, I uh, I had listened to a webinar on uh, out of the UK just three four months. It seemed like after I retired, and he was saying uh, it was all about mental strength. Oh, it wasn't mental health; it was mental strength. Who teaches on that? And I love wisdom, so I signed up and. Um, the guy told a story of having uh, when you need more confidence and more, you know, backbone or, you know, you're facing something that scares you recall a warm memory. Well, I'd always recall the warm memory of being in um, Christmas program in third grade and somebody complimenting me on being the best reader in there was three of us and I was their favorite. Well, um, his memory was um, he learned to fly a plane and uh, his picture was of his son in the back seat of a plane and he was flying the plane for his for his son taking his son on a trip and I thought you know after a couple of weeks I thought well, I just have one more warm memory why don't I have a something I can pull a list I can pull from and um, I made a list of maybe 10 or 12 things and half of them were in front of people <laughs> Was I in the wrong career? Was I supposed to be in front of people? And so I started acting as if maybe that was supposed to be my journey. And uh, when an opportunity to come up to do a podcast, I thought, well, you know, in front of people, I'll, I'll try the podcast. I think I do have something to say. So um, I, I started acting as if the truth was I... Um, was worth listening to, I guess. Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things, and Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates, it's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees, and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers, according to a recent survey, say Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash passionstruck. Just go to Indeed.com slash PassionStruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now, back to Passionstruck. Yes, well, there is a huge, I think, reason for all people who want to succeed in life to work on their mental strength. Because to me, it's the absolute foundation of having a growth mindset and having the willpower to go after your dreams. Um, and recently I've, I've had the opportunity to interview um, four former Navy SEALs and, you know, each one of them talks to me about, you know, going through BUDS, um, their, their training program, their training after BUDS and serving. One of the biggest things they all learned was the ability to have mental strength and how when even you think your body can't move another inch, can't take another minute in the cold, can't possibly run another mile, whatever it may be, um, you can overcome that by having mental strength and creating an unbeatable mind. And I think that is one of the most important things to do. And it's also one of the hardest things because in order to do it, you have to really start focusing on the brutal reality of whatever your current situation is and face yourself narrative. Um, because through that journey, which a lot of people don't spend the time doing, uh, because it, it's hard just being there. I'm sure you, you've been there with, with your thoughts. Uh, but to me, that's how you start creating the challenges that start moving you to more and more mental strength. I, I actually recently did a podcast on it. So, um, so as you are working with people now, how do you help them get men get stronger mentally? Well, the thing that makes me so unique from everybody else that uh, deals with purpose, and I love purpose because that's where we are um, that find meaning and um, the reason to get out of bed, <laughs> the reason to get out of the house. The thing about uh, let me just slip this in. Nobody tells us about retirement that you're the boss now. Um, it's your time to shine. Um, nobody's going to tell you what needs to get done today. You have to come up with that yourself. But um, let's see, you're the, uh, give me back to your question again. <laughs> well, I was, I was asking, you know, how do you help your clients okay. build mental strength? Mental strength. Okay. So the first thing we learned in coaching school was to write our essence statement. And, um, I was, uh, and mine starts out with, I am precious jewel of wisdom. So since I love wisdom, I love collaborating. I then go on to say, I am precious jewel. Well, that I am colorful collaborator, motivator, and learner. Uh, I am tranquil, authentic, and pure inspire. I light fires. Well, I like to light fires in people and help them remember who they are. So one of the things that, um, you're still that dynamite trombone player that you were in high school. You're still that educated person that um, performed lots of 
dynamic things that work and the tasks that you did, you're still that trustworthy and loyal person. But just because you don't have a job doesn't change you. You've made experiences and, and grown your talents. So um, I, all of that goes, all of that that you've been, the things that you enjoy doing, your values, your guiding principles of life goes into writing your essence statement. And we use, then we assess and reflect. I, I'm often surprised at how much we don't reflect on life and put it into a metaphor. I often think of a metaphor in this regard as kind of like the stories in the Bible, the parables. And because yep. a metaphor will, will say different things to us at different times. So my metaphor was taking a um, set of jewelry that I had described myself as how do I contribute to my team at work and how am I valuable and all that. And then I used it in my essence to describe me as a jewel of wisdom. So my process with the thing, that, John, about having this essence statement is it's, it's who I know myself to be on the inside. Nobody teaches us how to really describe ourselves to our bosses on our interviews. And, you know, is this a fit or not a fit? Because we haven't been trained how to, how to describe our inner spark, kind of like our DNA. And so when people live from their essence, their inner spark, it feels so good because it's in alignment with how we were made and built. Um, you know, our, yeah, you, our yeah, you know, over the years, I have had to take Briar's Mitt, you know, uh, all, all those types of tests. And I thought none of them was giving an accurate assessment of, of who I was. And then about uh, eight, nine months ago, I took a test uh, called the Colby Index, K-O-L-B-E. And after I got done, I was like, that is the first test that ever just nailed me. Um, and, you know, it really brought out uh, kind of my strengths and also my, my weaker points. Um, and I wish I would have known about it uh, much earlier in my career because I thought it was a very accurate uh, predictor of my strengths and weaknesses. So good one for you I to check out. Yeah, I have actually, uh, I have a good friend that has done the essence statement with even five and six year olds. Um, she was called in, I guess, when um, some of these kids were acting out and being disruptive to the class and the teacher was having a hard time handling them. And once they understood their essence, they settled right down. It's like, now I know who I am. I, I don't have to compare myself to somebody else. And, you know, our younger years, we did a lot of that comparison and fitting in and right, wearing the right jeans and right haircut and all that stuff. Well, I've talked to a company recently called People Acuity, and they're teaching. Uh, well, in fact, I asked them, what are you doing for retirees or people getting ready to retire? And, oh, no, we're, we're not doing anything for that. I said, um, well, he went on to explain that they were doing it for new hires. So they were helping new hires come in and know what their strengths were and their values and that kind of thing. But then you didn't have to concentrate on your weaknesses because then you, you um, they like the term interdependence. 
or you let somebody else's strength complement you. And now it's no longer a frustration of being weak in something. You just will call on the person that's got that strength and you're good to go. So um, what, what a difference in hiring and having that knowledge at a young point in your career. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the, the more things you can do to really figure out who you are, um, so you're not pretending or trying to discover that along the way is, is very helpful in understanding the types of jobs you would want to get into. Yeah. Um, you know, do you really want that manager position or are you really better off being a, a coder or, or doing something else? So um, I, I think that those types of tools can be highly effective. Um, so it sounds like essence work is similar to some of the things that Lewis Hayes promoted around uh, mirror work, where a lot of it is um, about affirmations and telling your, do you, when you do these essence statements, do you, is it something that you say every single day to yourself? Do you do it in front of the mirror? How, how does that manifest itself? Well, good question. I, uh, because I do these art blocks and um, have this, okay, so let me mention that I love color. I, well, here's, here's a better color one. Um, uh, I love color. I love sewing and I love words of wisdom. So um, I think it was about 10, 12 years ago that I started putting my three loves together in just one, one um, creative effort. But I, I had also put my essence statement on a wall hanging back here. And okay, so when I got through with getting that social security in the insurance, Medicare papers all wound, you know, figured out. And, you know, that took about three, four months. Then I started kind of bouncing off the wall. I was like, how do I know if I'm productive today? I, I hate wasting time. And um, there's nobody telling me what needs to be done today. So I would come yeah. over and read my essence statement on my wall two and three times a day. And um, I started realizing it centered me every day that was living lived from that essence of being a jewel of wisdom, a colorful collaborator was a good day because it lined up with my values and my strengths and um, who I was. So um, I, I, once I realized that that helped center me, um, but there was probably a couple months there that I read it a lot. I, I know one day I read it three times because it's like, how do, how do I move forward with the rest of my retirement? Yeah, this is a, a, a card that I look at uh, every day. I have it uh, right in, in front of me. Not sure if you can see it, but it says, today we'll learn and grow and be present in every moment. In the back, it says, uh, life is a gift. Wake up. Um, wow. Wake up each day and realize that. So, you know, they're good. They're good reminders. Uh, to have around because I think something I often say, and I don't care if you're a baby boomer or if you're like my, my kids and you're Gen Z, it seems like, you know, the life I, I grew up in, in the seventies and eighties, you know, the life you grew up in before me, um, it felt like we focused much more 
on what was important. And, and oftentimes that was things like family and, and duty and dedication and things like that. And today it seems to me more and more uh, the world is switching to a society that's focused on urgent versus important. And I often call it, uh, um, in my book, I refer to it as people are living a pinball life. And what ends up happening to them, if, if you like the game of pinball, is you know, that ball, if you're that ball, you just keep randomly bouncing off of things and let you know, the noises, the lights, the distractions um, control your well-being. Um, but you can master the game of pinball and you can start directing that ball where you want it to go. But it really means you've got to be present in the moment um, and you've got to focus on even in that game, what is important so that you can win the game. Um, and I think that is a huge problem. Why today, regardless of generation, um, you know, only between five and 10% are living up to their full capability and also a reason why so many are disengaged. Um, yeah. The, the book that made a lot of sense to me around that, John, is uh, Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And they talk about the uh, important versus urgent. And um, the, that involves some of that reflection time, too, as to what am I putting my valuable time into uh, into focus. So, yeah, I I was reading that at the time that I was getting transferred to Tampa, Florida, and I live in Washington State, so that was a long ways from home. But it um, it so spoke to well, begin with the end in mind is where you start. And so I had written my what do I want people to say at my funeral, and then work back from that. So um, that's how I relate to what you said. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Stephen Covey because one of the the favorite uh, um, homilies you could say or messages I've ever heard um, a preacher preach was from Stephen Covey. And it was uh, the main thing about the main thing is keeping the main thing, the main thing. And it has so many meanings in life because so many of us lose sight of the main thing. It's, it's one of the main reasons that, you know, if you look at entrepreneurs who found a problem to solve, and then after a while lose their way, I, I guarantee you 99% of the time, it's because they've taken their ball off of the main thing that they were trying to solve. And it's, it's so much in our lives too, whether, you know, what are the main things that you want to accomplish in your retirement? You know, what are the main things that you've got to do every day to stay healthy, to stay cognitively strong, Etc. It's it's focusing on that main thing, you know. And in a church setting, it's obviously uh, keeping God the main thing. Or if you're a pastor, you know, focusing on your flock. So I think there's so much that can be learned from Covey. Um, and if you look at Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg, I think she was the epitome of keeping the main thing the main thing throughout her entire life and her focus on women's rights and so many things that she did. Yeah, I, one of the things at Boeing that I learned um, not too long before I left there was um, they said um, the story was that people die within three years of retiring. What? I mean, that just really 
hurt <laughs> to hear that. But I've heard another business um, retiree say the same thing, and that myth had been going around their uh, their business. And um, I, I have out here on my patio, I have some planters, and I love growing petunias and geraniums. And um, one one pot, I just keep struggling trying to keep it alive. I don't know why, but um, oh yeah, I have to water it every day. Oh. Oh, if it's not growing, it's dying. Okay, that's kind of like in retirement. If we're not growing, we're dying. So maybe three years is how long it takes us to, to you know, go downhill. And, um, you know, when I, I intend to live to 100, John, I don't know about you. <laughs> but um, the, the growing and learning is what keeps us alive and young. You know, if life is tough, yeah, it it's probably keeping you young at the same time. <laughs> we'll be right back to the Passion Struck Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Issue. I know for me, first impressions are everything. So if you're looking to impact your online content, you need Issue, the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content. From marketing materials to magazines to flip books or brochures, Issue features your creative in an easy-to-view way on any device. What I truly love about it is I just make content one time and can distribute it everywhere. It is as simple as that, and your content is already optimized for engagement and ready to share. Issue also works seamlessly with tools you already use like InDesign, Canva, and Dropbox. Get started today with Issue for free, or if you sign up for a premium account, you will get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use promo code PassionStruck. That's I-S-S-U-U.com slash podcast and use promo code PassionStruck at checkout for your free account or 50% off your premium account. That's issue.com slash podcast with promo code PassionStruck. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Your support of our advertisers keeps the lights on around here. And I know all those codes and URLs can be tough to remember, so we will make sure we put them in the show notes. Please consider supporting those who support this show and make it possible. Now, back to PassionStruck. Well, and I don't care your what age you are, there's always a problem out there that's worth solving that you can invest your time in, whether you know, that is being meaningful in an adolescent's life who doesn't have, you know, the wisdom of maybe they only have a single parent, or maybe they're a foster child, or it could be something else. It could be helping them. It could be, you know, helping veterans and the homeless. It could be, you know, writing a, a memoir of your life or writing a different book. It, you know, there's so many things um, that we all have knowledge in that could be helpful to other, other people. And I think there's no time in your life where there shouldn't be a focus on serving others. And I think that's another big issue of society today is we have too much, uh, I call it the contagion of ego, um, or think of it this way, self-importance. And that clouds, uh, I think so much of the calling that we are meant to have. Um, because when you're so self-absorbed, you, you don't, the calling doesn't come to you on, on what you're, what you should be doing with your life, regardless of age. Um, and I'm not sure if that's something 
you know, you've run into as well. Well, one of the blocks, I don't have it here, but I, I did make one block. I, I didn't figure it'd be all that popular, but an ego-driven person does not ask, what do you think? You know, a boss or a manager that's that's in control, having them ask their their workers, what do you think, doesn't even occur to them. But talking about writing, this uh, my book, uh, Fresh Courage in Retirement, comes out next week. And this is a um, full of ideas of exploring possibilities in retirement. So um, I, I help people start out with just taking baby steps towards act- actions that are leading to their purpose. But um, I include some of my podcasts that I've transcribed of people that help their city be a, an age-friendly city a lady that did volunteerism around the world for a year, Um, a guy that um, gave nine tips for what you get out of volunteering. And uh, so it's all across the spectrum of helping people that, oh yeah, oh yeah, I guess that is possible. You know, if we all become curious as a three-year-old, we could, uh, not nothing will stop us. (laughs) That that is true. Well, congratulations on, on writing a book. I, I know it's not easy for me. It's something I contemplated for years. And then it was one of those things that uh, I never started. And then once I finally started it, because I'd done all the research, it kind of poured out of me over a period of um, four or five months. Um, are you s- self-publishing? Did you find a publisher for it? I am self-publishing. I'm using some local people here. Uh, my editor is a lady I'd met at, at the Chamber of Commerce, and then she works with a um, publisher in um, about 10 miles away that EDK distributing. And um, I am self-publishing. You know, John, I, I relate to your, your, I didn't do that much research, I guess, but I, I definitely felt from my gut, I felt a, a pulling from, you know, Sharon, there are so many reality shows and so many, you know, tell it like it is. So you got to reach in your gut and, and give, you know, the darn close, <laughs> the awful truth. <laughs> and yeah. um, so I, I, and I, it's an adult picture book, John, the, um, the these little blocks are featured in the book as uh, chapter transitions, and um, I've heard nobody's really explained it to me. But that when you see beauty um, with wisdom, it goes in your brain a different way, and that neuroscience is so fascinating to me. But um, I had realized that over the years, and, and like I say, I, I appreciated it, but I didn't know, I can't explain how it's different, but it seems to hit our spirit instead of just our logic. Yes, I, I think those are great points, um, and it sounds like it's going to be a, be a great read. I, I, it has been so interesting for me uh, trying to get my arms around this whole um, book publishing area, because I, I think the number of books that people are wanting to publish is actually going up. Um, but it seems like most of the traditional publishers, not, not the indie publishers, but the traditional ones want the authors to have such a huge platform. 
And what uh, surprised me as I've talked to a lot of authors is I thought many of these major publications would be doing a ton of promotional work, and it's really not the case. Um, almost all of it falls on the author, regardless of if it's a self-published work or, or a traditional piece of work. So it's, it's definitely uh, been an interesting experience for me. Um, on what direction to go. And it's, it's probably caused me not to put the book out for about 18 months as I was, you know, deciding to sit on it. And, you know, and I think that sitting process was good because through all the podcasts I did, it actually made me test concepts out and some were working and some weren't. So, you know, I actually was able to use that to refine the book um, pretty well. And I'm, I'm sure your podcasts are helping you with it as well. Yeah, I had no idea that it would they would lead into the book. And yet, um, I tend to be quite a thinker and um, not so much a talker. So, you know, my, my um, variety of stories was, I felt limited. And um, my editor said, well, you need some more antidotes and stories to throw in here. And that's when I thought, oh, I've got stories from my, from my, um, podcast guests that will help me fill in and tell the story because they come from such a variety of directions. But there's a young man that runs past uh, my street here. And I actually saw him yesterday in the coffee shop uh, who's pub self-published seven or eight books. His main topic is on mental, uh, mental health. And he's published like eight books now all independently. And um, his main following is on Twitter. And he sold, said he sold 35,000 books. Wow. I have, I, I, I need to talk to him because I wish I could figure out how to properly use Twitter because it, it is the one social media platform that I just can't crack. I mean, I, I, I have even looked at it, you know, I, I just recently got on um, Instagram and so I'm, I'm becoming, have become the queen of courage on Instagram, but I'm not sure I know everything I need to know even on Instagram and clubhouse. No, not yet. Well, Instagram is about the hashtags that you use. And then it's about um, the likes, shares, comments, saves, and other things that people are doing. Um, and that's how, through maximizing those, that's how the algorithms and Instagram seems to Promote start them. promoting you to more and more people. Um, you know, that's a lot of, you know, I'm up, I think I have 35,000 followers and that's a lot of the way that, that that happened was by honing in on those different components. But it is, you know, each one of these platforms um, takes time to perfect. Um, now, I, you have a saying I saw um, on your LinkedIn page that when we live from our heart, life has meaning and is seemingly effortless. And I was hoping you might be might go into that a little bit more. Well, effortless to me, like you mentioned in your little card, is being present and living from our heart. And that's why I think the essence is so profound is that when you're living from your heart, things just flow. Um, I don't know who the writer was that made being in the flow so popular years ago, but it's when your juices are 
running. You you can go that extra mile um, without a whole lot more effort because it flows from our heart. And um, I've often been amazed at, at um, Brene Brown and how she uh, did so much research on people who live wholeheartedly. I want everybody to live wholeheartedly because life is full then. You've got people around you that support you and you're supporting them. And that give and take of life and the flow of being present with everybody is just there. And um, one of the big things for once you retire is you realize maybe you don't have that support system anymore. In fact, John, I had heard from a couple of people that uh, first responders and um, military people both fall into a uh, dire category because in retirement, all those PTSD events that happen to them, they just start replaying because they have lots of time on their hand. And um, there is a retirement coach. Uh, him and his wife were both first responders that um, I don't remember even what state he's in, but he's focusing on on helping, working with people to to uh, heal those PTSD memories so they can live from their heart in making new choices and moving forward. I know I took a man, I was doing lift for a year and um, pilots are, are in the same category as they don't want to retire. And to me, the logic that I made sense of, they're in a different city every day. Having a support system is, is like, where, when? I don't have time for that. Um, those are, are the people that um, need especially to be focusing on how can I uh, expand my involvement, even though I'm out of town, um, a book club or golfing partners or something. That support system is so um, valuable in that living from our heart. Well, that's great. Um, so Sharon, I did want to uh, give you the opportunity that if the listener or viewer would like to know more about you, and I'll put this in the show notes, how can they contact you? Well, my, my email is Sharon at effortlessvitality.org, O-R-G. Uh, the com domain was taken when I signed up for that. My book is available on pre-order on uh, freshcouragebook.now.site, S-I-T-E. Uh, Amazon does have it uh, for pre-order. And uh, yesterday when I checked, um, the paper copy of the book will be available the 18th. So that's next week, I believe. I have a launch event that's happening on Tuesday for the Kindle version. I'm having two Zoom um, presentations with speakers. The lady that taught me how to write my essence statement, will uh, she, I have her on tape to share uh, from her, because that's going to be good wisdom. But um, the Facebook page where that will be showing at 9 a.m. Pacific time and 5 p.m. Pacific time is Fresh Courage in Retirement, a Facebook page that they can easily find there and um, and listen to it. I hope to have uh, sound bites of it put on various uh, mediums, LinkedIn and so forth uh, in days to come. But um, I... I especially want to work with people who are ready to learn and grow and, and be all that they can be in retirement because um, I've got 30 years left. Okay. I actually bragged 
John, that I'm 73 and nobody believes me anyway. So I brag about it. Well, that's why well, my grandmother lived to be 101. So you can do it too. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> um, well, Sharon, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a delight to have you. Thank you. I, and I'm going to follow passion struck because living from our passion. Well, in this little box, um, I often, when I read this block, uh, passion has the ability to light a spark in all of us. I think about people that service in restaurants and how the people that do it really good have, have their job fits them like a glove. And don't we all want something that fits us like a glove? What a great way to end. Given tonight is Christmas Eve, I wanted to especially wish all of you a happy and safe Christmas and happy new year. During today's episode, we mentioned a previous episode that we did also on retirement, which featured my friend Giles Stewart and how he is finding passion in retirement. That was episode 12, if you wanna go back and check it out. We have some amazing guests coming up over the next couple of months. These include aerialist, speaker, and author, Jen Bricker Bauer, former vice chairman, JP Morgan Chase, Jeffrey Walker, Banner X Chief Heart Officer, Claude Silver, former Green Beret, Andrew Marr, and actress, Katie Shanakis, who has appeared alongside Nicolas Cage, Robert De Niro, Jennifer Aniston, and many more. And if there's a guest like that that you would like me to interview, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at John R. Miles, or hit me up on LinkedIn at John Miles. Thank you so much for helping us grow this passion struck movement and helping people become their authentic selves. Until next time, be passion struck. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral. And we do that by sharing with you the knowledge and skills that you need to unlock your hidden potential. If you want to hear more, please subscribe to the passion struck podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast at. And if you absolutely love this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes and you sharing it with three of your most growth-minded friends so they can post it as well to their social accounts and help us grow our Passion Struck community. If you'd like to learn more about the show and our mission, you can go to passionstruck.com where you can sign up for our, our newsletter, look at our tools, and also download the show notes for today's episode. Additionally, you can listen to us every Tuesday and Friday for even more inspiring content. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and step into your sharp edges. Thank you again for joining us. 